Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you and your life. Turn in your copy of God's Holy Scriptures to the book of Habakkuk. Now, I know not everybody knows where Habakkuk is. Just go to Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, then turn back into the Old Testament, a couple of books, and you'll come across a very small book by the name of Habakkuk. Habakkuk. We're going to look at the first chapter here. And and, uh, as you find your place, I want to share with you a few things that have happened. on December the 26th, 2004, an earthquake measuring magnitude 9.15 occurred in the Indian Ocean. And the uh, undersea ma- megathrust earthquake was caused when the Indian plate and uh, was subducted by the Burma plate. Now that means not a, usually an earthquake is when the crust, the mantles of the earth rub against each other. Uh, subduction means not only rubbing against, but also pushing down underneath and lifting up uh, the other plate. And when that happened, it caused a series of devastating uh, tsunamis that... Uh, uh, went to the coast of 14 countries and caused 230,000 people to be killed, destroying coastal communities as far as uh, 10 miles inland by the 100-foot waves that hit uh, those areas. The hardest-hit countries were Indonesia, Sri Lanka, India, and Thailand. And this is the third largest earthquake ever recorded by a seismograph. Another event happened on January 12, 2010. A devastating earthquake with magnitude of 7.0 struck and uh, uh, Haiti and killed more than 160,000 people and displaced more than 1.5 million people. By January 24th, at least 52 aftershocks measuring at least 4.5 or greater had been recorded. The government of Haiti uh, estimated that 250,000 homes and some 30,000 commercial buildings had collapsed or been severely damaged as a result of the earthquake. After the disaster, Port-au-Prince's morgues were overwhelmed with tens of thousands of bodies. These had to be buried in mass graves. There were so many at the time. On May May the 2nd, 2008, uh, Cyclone Nargis made landfall in Myanmar, sending a storm surge 25 miles up the uh, delta, causing uh, catastrophic destruction and at least 138,000 fatalities in the densely populated area. However, however, it was been speculated that Myanmar's government official death toll may have been even higher, but they, when they reached 138,000, there was governmental pressure to stop publishing the accounts of how many people had died because they didn't want it to be a bad uh, PR for the country. 
so it very well could have been a whole lot more than 138,000. This rare eastward-moving tropical cyclone caused the worst natural disaster in recorded history of Myanmar. And Nargis is the deadliest named cyclone in the North Indian Ocean Basin, as well as the second deadliest named cyclone uh, cyclone of all times. Uh, It's the eighth deadliest cyclone uh, uh, or tornado. You know, cyclones and tornadoes are the same thing. They just are different regions. And all of this leads us to ask the simple question of why. Surely you and I are not the only ones to to think about all this devastation and destruction whenever some kind of natural disaster hits, of asking the question, why? Why is it? In fact, the tragedies uh, pointed out this morning uh, lead us to two great questions that every pastor in his heart struggles with and every person also struggles with. The two questions are simple. Why does God allow this? And where is God during this? These questions are brought up time and again whenever these kind of things happen. And if you ever watched uh, uh, the news of a natural disaster or if you've ever seen a tragedy, perhaps uh, an accident on the highway or someone that, that is uh, deathly ill, you, you ask the question, why God? Why is it? And, and these kind of questions cause many people not to have any faith in God at all. They simply say, well, if, God, if there is a God, then why does He allow wars? And why does He allow these disasters? Why does He allow people to, to have cancer and all kinds of other deadly diseases? Why doesn't God take these away? You might have even asked yourself that kind of a question. Uh, why does God, doesn't God spare the lives of parents and children during an accident? Or why does God not spare the life of a, de- a dear saint who's been struggling with some kind of disease? Certainly there are people that have been praying for these individuals. Certainly God has heard an overwhelming amount of prayer about uh, people, especially when there's a disease or, or a, an, a, a disaster that, that strikes. I mean, uh, we've all done that kind of thing. Uh, uh, when these shootings occur around the nation, you know, we, we ask ourselves, like the one down in Florida, why we ask ourselves, why wasn't law enforcement there? But we also ask ourselves, why did God allow that thing to happen? Why do, why do those kind of things happen? Well, turn with me to the book of Habakkuk and we'll uh, see what the prophet here has to say. Verse 1 of chapter 1 says, The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. And so this is him talking. He says, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear, even cry out unto thee, for violence, and what thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold uh, grievance or spoiling and violence are before me, and they are that rise up strife and contention? 
Therefore the law is slackened and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth come past about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Behold ye among the heaven, uh, heathen and regard and wonder marvelously. For I will work a work in your days which ye shall not believe, though it be told you. For lo, I rise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling place that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. And their horses are, also, are swifter than the leopards and more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves and their horsemen shall come from far. And they shall fly as eagles that hasten to eat. And they shall come all for violence. And their faces shall sup up uh, the east wind. And they shall gather the captivity as the sand. And they shall scoff at the thing at the kings and the princes shall be a scorn unto them. And they shall deride every stronghold for they shall heap dust and take it. And then shall his mind change and he shall pass over and offend, imputing this his power unto his God. Art thou not for everlasting, O Lord, my God, mine Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment. And O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Now I realize that there may be some of you who who kind of get lost in the these and the thous of that kind of scripture. And so I want to take a few moments to ex explain what, what's going on here. First of all, this uh, says that these are the words of Habakkuk the prophet. And he's been noticing the torment that Israel's been going through. Uh, Israel at this time is in captivity. They, they're, they've been overrun by other armies, other people. And, and so as a result of that, they, they're having difficulty. And, and not only are they've been overrun by other people, but uh, the thing that gets Habakkuk so much is, is that the fact that it's not just ordinary people that have come and, and overtaken them. These are people that are, are, are godless people. These are people that, that are evil. And, and listen to what Habakkuk says in verses 2 through 4. He says, O Lord, how long will I cry and thou wilt not hear? I even cry unto thee of violence and thou wilt not save. He says, how long, God, are you going to wait? How long is it that you're going to just simply allow all of this to go on? He says there's violence that's happening. There's all these things that are going on. And in spite of all this violence, it seems as though you're allowing all of it to happen. You're not saving us. Verse 3 says, Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to hold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are they that... Uh, rise up, strife and contention. He says, you've shown me all of this, this iniquity, all these bad things. And why, God, why is it that you're allowing this to happen? And these are the same kind of questions that we have in our life when we see these things. Uh, I, I, you know, it's just like uh, on September the 11th in 2001. God, why is it that you allowed all these bad things to happen? Why is it that you allowed these things to occur? 
We say that to ourselves, and Habakkuk is saying that himself. He says, why did you allow this, God? He says in verse 4, Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, and therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. He says, God, it's as if everything that, that the wicked, the bad people are doing, they, they, they're able to do without anyone getting uh, uh, challenging them. And there's all kinds of things that are happening that, that it seems as though the good people, the righteous people are just being surrounded and, and we're just unable to see anything that, that might uh, be in the way of relief. And, and so the first thing I want you to understand is, is that when we have these feelings in us, it's all right to have questions of God. Uh, Habakkuk has this question of God. He says, God, how long? It's not as if Habakkuk is questioning God's judgment. He's just saying, God, how much longer do we have to endure this? It's not as if Habakkuk is saying, God, you're wrong. You're allowing all these bad people to do all these bad things. And all the righteous people are, are being punished. And, and he says, that's just wrong. He's, he's not saying that. What he is saying is, God, how long are we going to have to endure this? Now, if you recall uh, from study, you'll understand that that the reason that Israel is going through all of this is they've turned away from God. They've, they've caused themselves, they've allowed themselves to be pulled away to worship other gods, and they're doing all kinds of bad things, and they've been uh, sinning against God, and they've been wandering away from the worship of God. And so Habakkuk understands why it's happening. He's just saying, God, why is it that you're allowing all these bad things to happen? Look at verse 5 in your Bibles, if you would. Verse 5, it's the beginning of uh, a different voice. It's not Habakkuk that's continuing to speak. This is God speaking his answer to Habakkuk, and Habakkuk is recording the answer that God gives him. He says, Behold ye among the heathen, in regard. So it's, it's like God saying, hey, you down there amongst all these uh, heathen people, look what I'm about to say. And wonder, wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which ye will not believe, though it be told you. So first of all, he's saying uh, to Habakkuk, understand this. In spite of all the things that you've been going on, it's not going to last that way forever. God says, look at what I'm about to tell you and understand that my deliverance is coming and it's going to be so wonderful, so marvelous, so wondrous that you won't even understand it. He says, so listen to what I'm about to say and understand what's about to come. For lo, verse 6, I will rise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places there that are not theirs. So he says, look, I'm going to bring deliverance, but it's going to be coming not from a Messiah that's going to come in, a righteous judge that's going to come in and deliver. He says, I'm going to rise up a nation that is nastier than the ones that you're complaining about, the Chaldeans. Now, who are these people? These are Neo-Babylonians. This, this is uh, right before the Babylonian uh, uprising that comes through and, and uh, takes over 
the captivity of the Israelites, the Neo-Babylonians. Now, if you recall, it's the Babylonians that uh, if you study the book of Daniel, you'll notice that Daniel is in the midst of captivity along with other uh, the Hebrew children. The three of the more famous ones are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, they're the ones with the uh, fiery furnace and all that. They're part of that captivity, and it's the Babylonians that come in and wipe out these people that that Habakkuk is complaining about. So that's the time frame, about 900 B.C., uh, uh, before 900 B.C., uh, maybe 950, 980 B.C. And so that's the time frame that Habakkuk is writing in. And he's, uh, God is saying, I'm going to rise up these Chaldeans, these uh, people. They're going to come through. They're hasty. They're lawless. They're going to come through and they're going to just take over and they're going to bring judgment to the ones that you're complaining about. And verse 7 says, They're terrible and dreadful, and their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. He says, You think you've experienced bad things by the hands of these that you're complaining about? He says, These Chaldeans are going to come through, and they're going to wipe out these other people. So God is saying there is deliverance. And what that's what we need to understand. Not only is it's all right that, that we question how long God or how, how why why are you doing this? It's not that you're you don't need to have a, a sense of of great of, of yourself as having a greater judgment than God, but rather you, it's okay to simply say of, to God, God, how long is this going to happen? Why uh, I don't understand God, and so God can then help you to understand better and to help you to to have a clear a clarity about what's going on. Habakkuk is being shown that that God's deliverance is at hand. And whenever we're under a difficult circumstance like this, we need to have uh, in our mind an understanding that in spite of the fact that it's a, a uh, that these things are happening, God will bring deliverance. God will help us in those circumstances. He goes on to tell about how wonderful the army of the Chaldeans are and, and how they bring about great judgment and I want you to focus on verse 12 verse 12 is is what we need to focus on whenever we uh, come into this type of situation he says art thou not from everlasting now this is kind of a, a declaration of who God is this is uh, Habakkuk again speaking and, God, and he says of God, he says, God, you're everlasting. So I need you to understand that in spite of all that's going on, God is everlasting. He is forever and ever. Now, this particular term is, is a word that, that Habakkuk wouldn't have understood our English concept. During the time of Habakkuk, the, the idea of eternal is not something that they could grasp hold of. It was a concept that, that they weren't able to take. So what this word really means is, is he says, uh, in essence, God, haven't you lasted before any, anybody can ever remember? And isn't that the really significance of everlasting? 
But everlasting also has the understanding that he goes on forever as well. And so uh, Habakkuk is saying that God is everlasting. and We need to understand that in spite of all the, the problems that we think, and, and even when we feel like it, it's lasted a long time, it's insignificant in the understanding of the amount of time that God has existed. And so even though it might seem as though we're enduring this hardship for years and years, uh, reading through the book of Judges right now in my daily Bible reading, uh, there were periods of time in which the Israelites went 40 and 70 and 80 years of hardship and struggling and difficulty uh, before they would have then a judge rise up and they'd have 40, 50, 60 years of, of God's deliverance. And so those are just a... a a moment in time compared to the eternity of God. And so Habakkuk is saying, you're everlasting, you, you last forever. And it, and it helps us to understand the power and might of God as well. He says in the next phrase, Lord my God, mine Holy One. We need to also understand that God is holy. And in spite of all the difficulties and struggles that we endure, we need to understand that God is holy. There's nothing that God does that is unrighteous. There's nothing that God does that's evil. There's nothing that God allows to happen that, that is a reflection of, of Himself other than the fact that He is holy. And so we need to understand that, that if we endure these hardships or we're going through bad times or we're going through difficulties and situations, we need to understand that in spite of the difficulties that we're going through, that God is holy, He's righteous, He is just. And, and that's another thing that uh, it says that God is not only just holy, but He is righteous, and that everything that He does is right. There's nothing that God does that's evil, vindictive, or, or anything like that. God is not sadistic, that those things that happen are not things that God does, but that God allows to happen in His infinite wisdom and mercy. He allows those things to happen because He understands more than we uh, than we know. Throughout the Bible it says that God's ways are greater than our ways. And so we need to understand that not only is God everlasting, He is also holy and righteous. And He says, we shall not die. O Lord, Thou art ordained uh, them for judgment and oh mighty God thou hast established them for correction the last thing we need to understand is, is that many times God allows certain things to happen as a result of judgment correction in our lives uh, those those occurrences are there's one of uh, those are two of the reasons why things happen uh, judgment upon us because of uh, sinfulness or evil in our life or the lives of others uh, correction in our life secondly uh, to help us to to be corrected in our life and and there's a third reason why those things might happen and that might be simply and it goes along with correction just simply to teach us something that we need to understand uh, cause us to hold tighter to the uh, to the hand of God cause us to be more dependent we in this society in, in this part of the world have become so affluent that we there's many who believe they can live without God 
There are many who believe that they don't have to have a, a God because they're able to take care of themselves. They got their bank account, their 401k. They got their own pl- uh, piece of the world. And they think they're the king of it. And they think that they can handle anything that life can send them. And many times these kind of things may happen just simply to teach us to hold tighter to God. To hold, be more dependent upon God and cause us to, to look to God. So in your days and your times of wondering why God, why is it that I'm going through this? You need to, to, under, to remember, and I'm going to go through them one more time. You need to remember that it's okay to ask God because He wants to answer. He wants to tell you. It's not disrespectful. It's not, it's not sinful to say uh, how much longer or why God. It just shows that you're trying to understand God and understand what's going on. Don't ask God in terms of uh, why are you doing this as if uh, you're saying that, that God has bad judgment, but instead uh, simply saying, why God, I don't understand. I want to I learn. I want to grow. I want to be prepared. Secondly, you need to understand that God is all-powerful and all, able to do all things. And God can, uh, is going to bring deliverance. God, it will uh, cause you to come out from under this difficulty and struggle in your life. And I understand and I know that sometimes when you go through these things, it feels as though there's nothing worse that's happening in your life. And you just simply feel like you'll never crawl out from under it. Let me just tell you something. You'll always have the presence of God in your life. If you're a child of God, if you have Jesus Christ in your heart and life, then you'll always have His presence in your heart and life. And there'll be nothing that can happen in you that will take you away from the hand of God. And thirdly, you need to understand the character of God. He's almighty. He's everlasting. He's, He's always there. He brings righteousness and judgment. He's holy. And everything that He does is right and whole. And everything that's going on, even though you might not understand it at the time, might be, uh, might be confusing to you that God is holy, God is righteous, and God will see you through. And also, not only that, but you, in the character of God, you need to understand that God has a lesson for us. He wants us to cling to Him. He wants us to understand it may be judgment to us on us. And look, Jesus tells us that we can have forgiveness of sin. And we do have forgiveness of sin, but what we need to understand is, is that that forgiveness doesn't mean that He just, he just doesn't allow us to, to reap the judgment of what we do. we got to understand that our sin sinfulness has consequences in our life. And those consequences teach us to depend more on Him and help us to understand that it affects more. Look, there's people in this world that lawyers and other people that say, look, if I do this, it's not hurting anybody else. I'm the only one that this is going to affect. Nothing you do only affects you. Everything you do affects other people. And many times uh, your sinfulness, uh, the judgment of that will simply just uh, remind you of the fact of all the people that it affects, remind you of, of, the, of the consequences of what you do and help you to understand you don't need to do those things. And it will also help you to understand that it may be that God is just trying to teach you a lesson to help you to, to, to correct your course 
So all those things are are lesson for, uh, to us from the book of Habakkuk. And I hope and pray that that as you go through difficulties, if you go through these problems in your life, and all of us do, that you'll understand that God is there for you, that God loves you, God will bring deliverance. God is eternal and He's righteous. Habakkuk was saying, God, all these lawless people are coming in and they're doing all this evil stuff to your righteous people. But these are the righteous people that turned their hearts away from God. And the reason they were going through all that difficulty was because of the sin that was in their life. Maybe it's that God wants to teach you a lesson, help you to correct your course. Possibly it's because God is trying to help you to to understand, to hold tight to Him. And so today, I want to remind you, hold tight to God. He loves you, and He wants to be there for you. Let's bow in prayer. Dear gracious Father, Lord, we just thank You and praise You so much for Your great love. And we praise You that You're always there for us. We thank You that You always care for us and You seek to teach us the way in which we should go. Lord, we pray that You'll help us to call out to You, to hold tight to You, and always depend upon You in everything that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.